Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Katrina Rasbold with us. Her book is called Uncrossing. She's got a lot of books out there, but this is the latest one. If a person has been psychically attacked, Katrina, do they know it or do they just feel crummy or what? Sometimes they know it. If you have someone who's knowledgeable about psychic attacks or they've been attacked before and they understand what it feels like and what the symptoms are, they might know. Often a person just doesn't understand why their luck is tanking, why they have no vitality, why they can't sleep at night, why they feel so eternally uncomfortable. What are some of the best ways to remove the psychic attack? I always and this isn't just because I'm in the business, I always recommend a professional cleansing when you can get it. That's going to be a trained person who knows what to look for, knows how to feel through your body the energetic fields and tell where something is lodged in your energetic body. But if you don't do that, always with the ritual cleanses, staying very grounded, touching trees, touching earth, touching rocks, that helps to discharge some of that negative energy as well. Unless a person has heard you, let's say, on our program, how does somebody who's been psychically attacked, cursed, or hexed even find somebody to help them who's a professional? It's really, to some degree, cultural. Some cultures are more uh, prolific with having people who, who take care of this sort of thing. Ours is not very forthcoming with that. And there are a lot of people out there who really are looking to take advantage of people who are in a difficult situation. So it is dicey when you're trying to find somebody. It's usually going to be a word-of-mouth recommendation. And can a person do this for themselves effectively? They, They can. There's a section in my book that talks about that. And it's about taking a shower with some of the ingredients that I mentioned before and just sluicing it over your body, uh, amounts of prayer and meditation, and working very hard to not trip yourself up with negative behaviors. Chapter 11 in your book talks about egg cleansing. What the heck is that? (laughs) That's my real go-to for taking care of this situation. With an egg cleansing, what you're doing is blessing and consecrating an egg. You have the client blow onto the egg so that it conveys part of their energy into the egg, and then you rub it all over their body, and it pulls out the negative energies that are inside of them. Because temporarily, those negative energies are fooled into believing this is the client and that it's fresh meat because it's not depleted from them. And then we trap it in a jar until it dies off. Now, do you crack the egg on the client, or what do you do? How do you open it? I crack it into a jar of blessed water and close it very quickly. Okay. So that's how it's worked. It is. Now, why why do you use an an egg? Because it actually is considered... although science disagrees with that, it's considered to be a potential living cell. So it's the closest, easily accessed item we have that can duplicate that and take on the energy of the client. How do you know you're successful in cleansing somebody? You look at the immediate effects on the client. So I'm going to be watching them for a few minutes after the cleansing to see if they feel better. I'm going to be tracking them after the cleansing to see how they're doing, if they're self-reporting anything that feels different. We just watch for an improvement, and it's really difficult to know how much of that is psychosomatic and how much of that is actual, tangible 
scientific results. During the break, Katrina, a lot of people are asking if you would again explain the difference between a crossing and a psychic attack, a hex, a curse. Happy to. And this is just the way that I was taught. I do understand that other people have different uh, definitions of this. For, for my teaching, what I was taught is a psychic attack is a very general term, such as illness or such as uh, injury. It's just a very strong umbrella to cover all of this. The curses tend to be very personal and very intense. When I'm looking at a curse, and what we do with the egg is we can tell by certain ways that the the egg arranges itself in the jar, what's going on. Hmm. So I can see if there's a curse, it's going to look a lot more aggressive, a lot more dangerous. Then we get the crossings, which are the smaller incidental injuries, things like jealousy, envy, road rage. Those are going to come up as crossings. Hexes tend to be somewhere in between. They're very personal, they're intentional, but they're not as aggressive as the curses. Interesting. It's, it's, it's fascinating work that you do. Does it ever backfire on you personally? Uh, well, it used to. There's times when it did. I recently, I, I teach people to do this. I have healing classes that I teach. And I had an egg that was so interesting recently that I wanted to get a good picture of it for my students. And so I shielded up very well. I opened the jar and took a picture of it with my phone and immediately got hit. I oh, knew Because you had everything captured in there, right? I did, and I let ego get me because I really wanted to show it to my students because it was such a fascinating arrangement of the egg, and that was really dumb of me. So that even as a professional, having done this for 8, 10 years, I still get knocked sometimes. And so you just have to shield guard, be very careful. Most of the time now... I, I'm able to mitigate that. Reminds me of a Twilight Zone episode where a guy captured the devil and kept him locked up, and the devil tricked him into opening the door, letting that, him out. That's very apt, yes. <laughs> Got to watch that stuff. Curses, hexes, psychic attacks, crossings. If you were to face one thing personally, which would you prefer to face? Oh, just a little crossing. That's my favorite. It's just somebody's angry. You start to feel uncomfortable. You hold a rock. You ground it out. You're okay. Uh, that's that's always the, the preferred because that's the least aggressive. Anxiety levels, Katrina, right now, I think, are at an all-time high. Um, incredible. And uh, I have a resident psychiatrist who comes on the show who doesn't think passengers are really unruly on planes. I beg to differ. I think they're out of control in some cases. Now I haven't, I haven't yeah. seen, I haven't seen any on the flights I take, and I fly a lot. But uh, you talk to air traffic control people and uh, flight attendants; they'll tell you it's crazy. That's absolutely true, and there's so much anxiety and anger out there, and and that's a lot of what I clean off of people all day long. And there's a lot of fear, and when people are fearful. They're far more susceptible to these types of types of attacks. What about people who just merely have rotten luck? Some people do. And a lot of times, bad luck is actually the outcomes of their bad choices, and they want to not acknowledge that. Uh, but, yes, there are people who do genuinely just ha seem to 
take the wrong turn every time. I don't think that's always a curse, but sometimes it is. Now, you're not an exorcist. That generally is relegated to a Catholic priest in most cases, though they have them in other religions as well. But one could say what you do is similar to an exorcism, isn't it? Uh, I've done actual exorcisms. You have? I've, oh, absolutely, yes. Uh, that that used to be part of what I did when I was younger. Are you a high priestess? What are you? Um, just a professional witch, wow. you know, and sometimes you get into one of these cleansings and realize you're dealing with something more than a curse, that someone has actually sent a demon to this person or has... Uh, this person possibly has tried to do some work that was over their head, magically speaking, so they're trying to invoke some demons or invoke something very negative to work for them, and it comes back on them, and you've got to take it out. Interesting. If you're removing an, an entity, uh, and again, we talked about exorcisms, but mm-hmm. what else is it if it's not an exorcism, and you're just trying to remove it? It's just, it's, it's really cleansing, just like you would clean dirt from a person or you would remove a tumor from a person. You don't really think of a tumor as being living, and yet it's compromising that person's vitality. So it's more like, if you want to say, psychic surgery or uh, aggressive cleaning. Interesting take. And uh, what about the, the not, not the bad luck, but the person who is negative all the time? Doesn't this affect them, too? Absolutely, it does. And a person's point of view and, and worldview will always create the energy that's around them. And, of course, one of the things that we're told is that the energy that's around us is what is going to attract others to us. So we're probably going to attract people who share those negative thoughts. And that just creates this continuing spiral of negative energy around people. And some people really enjoy that drama. Some people love being angry, and I'm just not one of those people. If a person, Katrina, is just a generally nice person, are they going to be blessed by good things, or, you know, can these things affect them too? This can absolutely affect them. In fact, it's often the nicer people who get hit the hardest. Really? Absolutely, because they don't expect that someone would do that to them. So they put their guard down. They do, and they're looking for the good in things, which is a wonderful and admirable way to be, but they're looking for the positive, and they're not looking for the negative, and they just get the carpet pulled out from under them. That's an interesting take on that. And uh, how do they reconcile it? How do they fight back? You have to be careful with really, really sweet people because they do get so discouraged when something negative goes on or they see the worst sides of the world and they can fall into tremendous depression or they can really get uh, despondent about it. And then we have to work with those emotions as well. It's, it's really just individual as to how different people respond to this experience. Katrina, back to the egg in a jar. Once you kind of like pull the evil into the egg and into the jar, what do you do with it? Oh, you're going to love this part. We leave it in the jar. You don't eat it, do you? Oh, no. No, I, I, that's one of the first things I teach my students is don't eat the egg. Don't eat the egg. <laughs> don't eat the egg. But what we do is we leave it in the jar. It's very obvious when the contents have died off because the contents move in the jar. They shimmer. They're, they're very iridescent. They move easily. You can see and, that? I'm sorry? You can see that? You can absolutely, with your eyes, that not wow. intuitively you can see that 
And so when that has stopped and it's died off, it kind of collapses over the yolk of the egg um, or floats up to the top, and we know that it's dead. That can take anywhere from three to five days. And when it's done, what is tradition is that you release it into a moving body of water. And so flushing it down the toilet is releasing it into a moving body of water. Ah, okay. But you do urinate onto it first before you flush it, which shows dominance over whatever... That's gross, Katrina. It's very gratifying because you're, you're saying, I have more power than you do. It's a primal subjugation. It's like, it's like a dog would uh, mark his Correct. spot. That's right? right. Interesting. And it works? It does. You what? notice a big difference when you do the, the pee and when you don't. What has ever happened that has backfired in all this that you've worked on? For me? Not necessarily you, but just that oh. you know of. Let's see. Because I don't I, think I don't think it's backfired for you a lot. A lot. I'm pretty careful because I'm. One of the ways that I begin to explore the energetic side of things is that I'm I'm pretty empathic, and I needed a way to to manage that. And so, because I had to learn those skills early on, I learned how to shield myself pretty well, and that served me very well when I got to this part of my training. So it doesn't backfire on me a lot. I, what I see backfiring is when people have come to me trying to curse somebody themselves, and this stuff splatters. It'll get all over you. And we often have amateurs trying to do this sort of thing and getting into trouble. Interesting take. The fascinating work that you do. We're going to take calls next hour with Katrina, and again, questions for her about uh, what we're talking about, hexes and curses, or if you think you've been hexed or cursed Check in with us. Do you physically have to be there, or can you do this remotely? The majority of the cleansings I do are by remote. I get a photograph of the person, and I can connect with them through the photograph if I can see their eyes and work with them that way. And I use a proxy vessel and do the same motions of cleansing and healing energy that I would do if they were in front of me. Interesting take. Since you've been doing this, you've been doing this for how many years now? About eight or nine years professionally. Well, that's a long time, isn't it? Feels like it. <laughs> Who do you admire the most in this field? Wow. Um, there are... I, I'm trying to... There, there was a, a Carandero, who is a, a Mexican healer, called Nino Fidicio, who has since been canonized as a folk saint. And, and he actually died from exhaustion from the work that he did. And I've always taken that lesson and tried very hard not to get to that point. But he's someone I've always very much admired. And would you recommend uh, that uh, people get involved in this field if they want to do this for a, a living? It's, it's not monetarily driven. I was going to say, I bet you you, so, you don't get rich doing this, do you? You don't get rich doing it, and it's not gratifying if it's not something you were called to do. Anybody who tries to do it, who doesn't feel a strong, visceral, spiritual calling to do it, is going to get in trouble doing it. You just don't have that soul desire to do it, and, and it's so necessary to have that, to be a good healer. Removing entities, is it fun? No. <laughs> it's not? 
I wish I could say it was. It's gratifying when you start to see the life coming back into a client who has come in very defeated and exhausted yeah. and weary, and you can just see the light coming back on. You can see the color coming back into their cheeks. That's gratifying, but I I don't think I would ever say that it was fun. There's like a glow about them, isn't there? It just is, and you can see their aura just cleaning up, and so that feels good. That's that's a wonderful thing. I don't think I could ever not be a healer. That's just become something so much about what I do, but it's exhausting. Even though you're not channeling your energy, you're channeling divine energy. Just running that over three, four healings a day is really tiring. Have you ever had to clench a child? I have, and uh, animals even. I do a lot of animals. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.